Hello, I'm Morgan Vincent. Welcome to Let God Speak. Today we conclude our study of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means second law and was a series of appeals given by Moses to the Israelites in the wilderness as they were on the borders of the promised land. These appeals could be summarized. You're now about to enter the promised land. Finally, don't forget what the Lord has done for you and don't forget what he asks of you now, which is to love him with all your heart and soul and to reveal that love by obedience to all his commandments, all according to the covenant. Well, Moses did not enter the promised land. Today, we are going to end our study of Deuteronomy by reviewing Moses' death and the wonderful surprising event that followed. Today, to discuss this fascinating topic, we have Hannah Nakagawa and Mark Sutherland. Before we begin, we'll start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this opportunity again to open your word and study uh, the important truths therein. We need your guidance and therefore we are praying for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so as we start this discussion, it's important to put things into context. And leading up to Moses's death, how long had the Israelites been in the wilderness and how did they survive, Hannah? Yes, so they were led by Moses nearly 40 years and God has been protecting them and providing everything that um, they need. Um, if we go to Nehemiah chapter 9, 21, it says this, 40 years you sustained them in the uh, wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. Mm. Mm. It's amazing how, you know, God miraculously provided this food and, and water for more than 2 million people for nearly 40 years. Yes. That's a lot of daily food and a lot of daily water. Mm. Mark, tell us how God did this. So the Israelites initially crossed the Red Sea out of Egypt. And originally when they had moved out of Egypt, they camped by the springs of water and God by a fire, pillar of fire by night and cloud by day led them. And in Exodus 16, it describes how God miraculously gave them food. And then in Exodus 17, we see that they moved to a place called Rephidim where there was no water actually. Mm. Um, and even though God was feeding them with manna and everything, they continued to complain. Um, and if we read here in Isaiah chapter 48 and verses 21, it says, And they thirsted not when he led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He clave to the rock also, and the waters gushed out. And so, you know, their faith in God was uh, tested when they needed him to provide for their needs. But even though they failed the test in complaining and wanting to go back into Egypt, mm -hmm. God still provided. Mm, it's a powerful lesson. Hannah, how did God supply this water then in a desert? Yes, um, Exodus 17, uh, 5 and 6, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. 
and you shall strike the rock and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Mm. So it must be a lot of water. It would be it would have been like a river because if one person drink um, two liters of water, then it would be four millions water a day. Mm. So yeah, that is a miracle in a barren um, desert that God miraculously provided their need. It's a lot of water, and it's amazing how God provided for them. And so. Mm. In the 40th year, God, in a sense, he turns off the water supply. Why would he do this and what's going on here, Mark? So we have to understand here that, you know, all the adults over um, 20 and over that had originally left Egypt have now died and a new generation is entering the promised land. Miriam has died. Moses is coming to the end of his days. And only Caleb and Joshua are the ones of the first generation going into the promised land. And so they had lived up to this point um, daily with the miracle of food and water that was supplied. And God, again, tests their faith in him to protect and provide for them um, by stopping the water. And so we see they had the opportunity at this time to walk a little by faith now, to learn mm. to trust God um, and to live not by sight, but by faith. Mm. Wow. And so... How widespread and extensive was this, was this complaining? I mean, was it just a few people, Hannah, or was it across the whole nation? Mm, sure. So um, Numbers 20, verse 2 to 5, it says this. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come out, um, come up out of uh, Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or um, vines or pomegranates. No, is there any water to drink? Seems like it involves all the congregation here and mm. um, complaining. Um, different Bible verses um, says uses different words here. Um, the word contended or strove or argued, protested, complained. Um, and Hebrew word um, reap means to strive or contend both verbally and physically. So Moses was being accused, being um, blamed um, and seriously roughed up by the people because God stopped the water. Mm, it's amazing that they seem to forget God's providence for all mm. of those years. And, and they're, they're thinking, well, where's God now? And they yes. forget that he's been with them all of that mm. time. And so 40 years earlier, you know, going back to, to the time when they had the exodus from Egypt, God used Moses to get water by striking the rock. And so, Mark, what does God do this time around? So he once again now goes back and uses Moses to get the water out of the rock. And if we read here in Numbers chapter 20, verses 7 to 8, the Bible says that, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather the assembly together, you, Aaron, your brother, and speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will give forth this water, and you will bring forth to them water out of the rock. So you will give the congregation and their animals to drink. And so this time Moses is now commanded to speak to the rock and not to strike it. Mm. Mm. Well, what does Moses do then, Hannah? 
Well, he actually lost his temper. Um, if we read the next verses in verse 9 and 10, uh, 9 to 11, it says, So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lift, uh, lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Well, um, instead of speaking to the rock, he actually um, yes, struck the rock again, and it was not what God asked mm, him to do. Mm. I want to turn now to Numbers chapter 20, and for our viewers at home, Numbers chapter 20, and I'll read verses 12 and 13. The Bible says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. Now, this may seem harsh to, 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 think, to think that, Joe, that Moses was denied access, that judgment fell upon him. He's faithfully led the people for 40 years. Mark, why do you think God would deny Moses entrance into the promised land? The text really gives us an insight into Moses' frustration because he calls God's people these rebels, mm. right? And I find that yeah, I can, I can understand where Moses is coming from. And if we look in verse 10, it says specifically that he says, must we bring water for you out of this rock? And that word we is important because then Moses is putting the emphasis on himself and, and, realize, and, and thinking that of himself, he's the one that's bringing forth um, the water out, out of this rock. And in that moment of anger, he, forget, he forgets that it's only the power of God that draws forth the water. Um, and so he, of all people, as the leader of Israel, should have known that. Mm. Yes. Also, um, it shows that Moses lacked his faith as mm. well, because in verse 12, the Lord says that because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes. So it could be the opportunity that Moses could glorify God through his obedience and trust in God. But actually, um, he disobeyed. And um, that was coming from the lack of faith. Mm. So we're seeing here this really powerful spiritual lesson mm. um, that's being actually denied the people of God because of Moses's uh, reaction. And the first generation we see, as we read earlier, that received the water from a smitten rock. And the second generation was actually to receive the water from the rock by being spoken to the rock. Mm. And we see that here, um, that the rock is this symbol of Christ that had once been smitten um, as Christ was offered as an atonement on the cross as once for all of humanity sins. And so the second time it was only needed for Moses to speak mm. to the rock. And it's the same for us today. We see this lesson here, this powerful spiritual lesson in here, that because of what Christ has done, we only need to speak. We mm. only need to ask um, him to, to receive the forgiveness of sins and impart that living water uh, we're going to, um, to speak on shortly. And so, yeah, by smiting the rock a second time, Moses then loses the spiritual lesson that God had for himself and his people. Mm. You could say as well that, uh, 
you know, as the leader, so goes the people. Mm. And, and because of Moses's action, um, the people were, well, he was denied that. And it's interesting that, that God didn't punish the complainers. Uh, he punishes Moses. He punishes Aaron. Mm. What lessons then, Hannah, can the children of Israel learn from this? Yes, so they were complaining and murmuring here, but Moses actually told them that this complaint is not against them, but against the Lord. Um, Exodus 16 uh, verse 8 says this um, in the last part, your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Mm. So it really shows that the leader is God, that their complaint is um, going to God. Mm. Mm. And we and we see here that, you know, God is requiring this exact obedience for all people. And that's a really powerful lesson. And it shows us also that the past faithfulness does not um, cover up or mm. does not undo the one wrong act of Moses. And so we see here as well that there's a lesson that the greater light given to somebody, the more responsibility that they have. Mm. And Moses, out of all these people, was the most upright example. But God then punishes him. And so... Yeah, we see, we see this we see this sort of dichotomy that God is then showing mm. to Moses. Hannah, how how did Moses feel about the consequences of his sin? Yes, um, Deuteronomy chapter three, verse um, twenty five and twenty six. It says, "I pray, let me cross over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, those pleasant mountains and uh, Lebanon." But the Lord was angry with me on your account and would not listen to me. So the Lord said to me, enough of that. Speak no more to me of this matter. Hmm. So um, Moses was uh, deeply remorseful and he appealed to God to let him go into the promised land. But God said no. Hmm. So Moses, he didn't enter the promised land. Hmm. But what did God do before Moses died? What, what does the Bible say, Mark? So if we read Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 1 to 4, and it says, And Moses went up from the plains of Moab to the mountain of Nebo, to the top of Pisgah, that is over against Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead to Dan, and all of Naphtali, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and all the land of Judah to the uttermost sea, and the south and the plain valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees unto Zohar. And the Lord said to him, This is the land which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, I will give it to your seed. And I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you will not go over there. Mm. And so we see this really intimate relationship with Moses and God. God loves Moses. Mm. And when we look in verse 4, it says, You know, I'm allowing, um, he says, I have caused you to see it with your eyes. And standing on the on the mountain in Moab, you know, it is humanly impossible to see the land of which Moses is going into. But then God goes in and describes a detailed version of what Moses is going to um, miss out on. Mm. I want to read now um, Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 5, and it says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And so after God gave Moses that detailed vision of the promised land, then Moses died there uh, on the mount in Moab. The meekest man on the earth was dead mm. and it was all over. Or was it? Was it, Mark? What, what, what does the Bible say now? So we have some good news. In Jude and verse 9, it says, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses and he 
brought it against him, a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Mm. So it wasn't over for Moses here. And we see this image of Michael and Satan fighting over um, mm. the body of Moses and Satan being rebuked. Mm. Is there any doubt then, Hannah, who Michael is? Who's this character? No doubt. So if we look at Revelation 12 and verse 7, Mike, we see the um, scene that Michael and his angel and the, um, the devil, uh, dragon, the Satan, um, are fighting. And if we uh, look at Daniel chapter 9, 25, Daniel um, 10, 13 or 12, 1, we will know that Michael is the Messiah, mm. um, Jesus, and the great prince. And um, in a, a New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, that we will know that Jesus will raise the dead with the voice of Archangel. So we can conclude that Michael is Jesus, and it is Jesus who is fighting with Satan over the body of Moses mm. here. It's powerful that, mm. that Jesus doesn't even leave Moses uh, with here. So what is the basis then of this argument, Mark, that's put forward? So Moses, like you and I, is a, a sinner that is forgiven. Mm. And he's awaiting that resurrection that is promised to all believers at the second coming. Mm. And Satan claimed that Moses, you know, because he was a sinner, he was then lawfully captive to remain his and remain in the grave. But we see that Moses and through the sanctuary service of the Old Testament had confessed his sin to God, you know, and then he would put his trust in the faithfulness of what Jesus then would eventually do for all of mankind in forgiving their sins. Mm, that's powerful. That's a really, you know, it's a really beautiful gospel picture that we see, you know, within the Old Testament and within the life of Moses. Were, were there any circumstances of Moses' death? Were anything special, Hannah? Yes. To know. So there are um, aspects of um, his this very um, most un, un, unusual. As we said, God gave him a vision of um, the promised land to Moses um, before he died. And also Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 5 to 7, it says this. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peah. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. So Moses was buried where nobody knows where. Yeah. And also he was um, not unhealthy. He, he was, his eye was um, good. So um, he did not die of natural causes. Mm. Wow, this is powerful to, to consider this. Mark, I want to ask a question now. How can we be sure that Moses was resurrected? I mean, to think of it like this, I mean, you know, some of our viewers may be thinking, you know, this story, it, it, it might seem a nice, nice story to think about. And sure, Moses was a, an historical figure, uh, but did he really die? Was he really resurrected then? I mean, what, what does the Bible say um, about can there be a certainty to Moses being resurrected? So in Jude 9, we saw the wrestling of Michael and we, we saw through Hannah's uh, verses that she read that it's Jesus. So Jesus and Satan are fighting over the body. So it, it, it indicates, you know, he'd, he'd been in the grave for some time and we don't know how long. But if we go over to Matthew chapter 17 and we just read verses 1 to 3, the Bible tells us that after six days, Jesus took Peter, James and John, his brother, 
and he brought them into the high mountain and he was transfigured before them and his face was shining as the sun and his raiment was as white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And so Jesus is here. He's transfigured in the mountain. He's revealing his glory to um, some of his closest disciples. And the two guests that come, are Moses and Elijah. And so we see here that whatever the dispute that happened between you know, Satan and Jesus, we see that Moses at some point in time was resurrected. Mm. Mm. It's, it's incredible to think that. And, and so speaking of this transfiguration, Hannah, what, what is significant about Elijah and Moses? I mean, why those two figures? Now, why not someone else? And why were they with Jesus on mm. that mountain as well? Yes, um, both Moses and Elijah stood faithful to God alone, even though people around them were rebellious. And um, it was in these trials that Jesus was close to them, giving them strength and um, sustained their faith. And now it is um, for Jesus um, going to go to cross it must be the most hard time for him. And that is when the Moses and Elijah, um, who are redeemed, who are translated, who are um, resurrected, they um, came to um, yeah, came to um, comfort this son of God, Jesus, and um, because he was going to demonstrate his love on the cross, mm -hmm. the most important uh, mission he had. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a really, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing of, you know, to consider that, that Jesus gave such help to Moses mm. in his life and to Elijah in his life. And there in, in a moment in time when Jesus is seeing the cross before him, he is in a sense encouraged by, yes. yeah. you know, Moses. He's encouraged by Elijah and, mm. and he's seeing that what Jesus is to go through mm. isn't in vain, mm -hmm. that there actually is good coming, that there is a resurrection day coming. Yeah. And so for our viewers at home, just to consider that, uh, you know, this this study through the book of Deuteronomy, it's it's a really powerful um, point for us to consider that it's all going somewhere. It wasn't just an end in and of itself, but it was going somewhere. And I want to ask you a question, Mark. What's the significance of the resurrection of Moses for us today? So if we look at the story of Scripture, Moses is actually the first recorded person to have been died and been resurrected. And we see these sort of miracles being performed through Elijah and Elisha and then G Jesus. Um, but all these individuals apart from Moses had again, once they'd been resurrected, had died once more. And so when Jesus rose from the tomb, we see that some of the graves were opened and what was known as the first fruits, this first resurrection um, had come and been resurrected with Jesus as well. Mm. And, and if we read now in Matthew chapter 27, Matthew 27 and verses 52, and it confirms this. The Bible tells us that, And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which, saints which slept arose. And so here, Scripture tells us that when Jesus had resurrected, so too um, you know, um, a lot of people came up to, as well with him. And Satan had claimed the dead is his, but Moses' resurrection shows us that the power of the grave was broken through faith in the Old Testament, Testament sacrificial system, which pointed to Christ. So for us today, our faith in Christ, um, who is now ministering in the heavenly sanctuary for us, will ensure our resurrection when he comes again. Mm. So then, Hannah, to, to ask a question then, how important to our faith is the certainty 
of the resurrection of the dead? I mean, is it just an optional add-on or is it actually central to to, to the Christian faith, to the biblical faith for us today? Sure. Uh, let's read um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and uh, verse 12 to 20. It says, Now if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have tested to, of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is a fertile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiful. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Mm. Amazing uh, verses here. Um, if Christ's resurrection was n not real, then we have no hope. Um, we have no salvation. Our preaching is empty. There's no good news. But we know that Christ is risen. And um, this is very essential and um, foundational mm. of it, it actually means that what we're doing here and what our viewers are, are watching, it actually means something. Yes. You know, it's not just yeah. empty. It, it's actually got substance to it. It's, it's foundational. So, Mark, what other aspect? We've spent some time in, in Jude. It's a small little book in Jude uh, in verse 9. What other aspect of this verse is important for us today? If we read in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, the Bible tells us, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so in this great controversy, in the battle for you know, God's love for Moses and against Satan, there's this spiritual warfare that you and I are involved with. And we really get to peer into that in when we read Jude 9. Mm. I want to share just a, a verse um, as, we, as we bring it to a close. It's also from the writings of Paul, and he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. And it goes on and it says in, in verse 18, therefore, summarizing his point, comfort one another with these words. Mm. Amen. It's a great source of comfort for us today. And so for us today, the leadership burden placed upon Moses, it was very great. And few men will ever be as severely tried as Moses was. Yet this was not allowed to excuse his sin. However severe or unexpected the provocation or temptation, God has provided help for us. And in his strength, we may conquer. We look forward to that wonderful day when Christ returns and all those who died with their faith in his atoning sacrifice will be raised to eternal joy and happiness. We are glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 
3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time as we begin a new study in the book of Hebrews. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.